This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast, another special edition of the Peristyle Podcast. We're actually remote. We are on site uh, down in Wilmington at uh, a brand new facility, uh, the John College Historic Center here at South Bay Athletic Club. And we got three special guests we're going to be talking about U.S. track and field, talk about NIL, about throwing. We're going to learn a whole lot about uh, Olympic sports that I don't know too much about uh, here. So we got three special guests. we got John Kolich, a former um, USC thrower and, uh, and definitely an advocate for USC uh, when men's and women's track. Uh, we also have uh, Martin Malik, who's a two-time Olympian, uh, Merrick, sorry, uh, who's now the throwing coach at USC. Uh, down here, we're at the throwing center, like I said, on off-campus facility. And we also have Connor McCullough, um, who's the president of the South Bay Athletic Club. We're going to talk about that too, NIL, charity work, all that kind of stuff. But thanks all you guys for coming in. John, first, I'll start with you. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Awesome. Having fun. Sun's out today. It's great. It's a beautiful day. It's a great facility down here. Uh, it's got your name on it. Um, well, thank you. It's pretty cool. When did this open? When did you guys open this? Uh, we've been operating for, what, probably a year and a half. Okay. Uh, but just finished it up about two months ago. All right. I'll share some of the uh, pictures and stuff we have uh, up on the site um, from uh, what's going on with USC and everything. So the, the branding and, and all that stuff. Uh, but we're going to talk to Martin, too, because uh, you guys get to use this, right? Like, as you know, instead of working out at now the Allison Felix Field and tearing that up with the hammer throws, you can do that stuff down here. Oh, this is this is a great opportunity for our throwers. Uh, really convenient and a state-of-art, obviously, facility. Uh, nothing like it in U.S. Uh, and John was very, very grateful to let us use it as well. So we'll be very happy. Yep. Yeah, John, you got your name. I was a very generous person, apparently, uh, for the track. We'll talk about that, too. We got, I, he gave me a tour last week uh, of the uh, new track building, John College. Uh, what is the official name of that? It's the College Track and Field Center. Yeah, College Track and Field Center, which is amazing in there. So I'll share some pictures up on social media and on uscfootball.com about that as well. And we also have Connor, another former – you guys all, you know, another a former Olympian, right? Is this, yes. And uh, – and now the president of the South Bay Athletic Club, but thanks for uh, coming in too. Absolutely, yeah, it's great to have you here. Uh, yeah, so maybe real quick before we jump into everything, what is the South Bay Athletic Club? Give me the elevator pitch uh, for people that don't know. <laughs> so the South Bay Athletic Club um, is primarily a community engagement um, organization. We're a nonprofit, um, and we specialize in bringing elite athletes into the community um, to inspire and engage the next generation of athletes. Nice. Uh, sounds great. And involved uh, with that. We, we got to meet the first time at a different kind of like NIL event uh, with our you know, buddy Jake Olson over at Less Engage. 
Uh, and then I didn't realize when John had pointed you out, like, oh, I've Connor before. So uh, it all kind of comes around. There's a, I guess it's a small group or something. Yeah, absolutely. The, the Trojan family is a, is a tight group. Um, and the Engage group is is great. They're great partners in everything that we do with football, especially. Um, yeah, it's a small, small group. So I wanted to just uh, let everyone know what we're doing. It's a regular podcast show, but this is different because we are remote. Actually, all brand new equipment it took me on like 10 minutes or something or maybe more. Sorry, guys, to set all this up. But we are in, uh, we're in the throwing center. Uh, so I guess this is the uh, snack room or something. Is this where we, you know, outside? But uh, the guys gave me, there's a cool weight room here with an amazing mural with a lot of uh, former USC Olympians on it. And then going out to check out the, the train facility itself, uh, where you throw the hammer, discus, and shot put, and all that. So it's really great. Uh, if you have any questions or comments for the show, our regular shows will go normally uh, going forward, but you can just email us podcast at uscfootball.com or call or text us at 424 254 9141. If you have some track and field questions, I can like, you know, email these guys afterwards, but we won't be able to do it on the show now because we're not recording this live or anything. And I do want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's, who've been amazing to us in the last several years. And, uh, this is the first time we're doing any kind of remote, uh, you know, sponsorship with Trader Joe's. So thanks, uh, for that. I love going in there, going every week. Uh, I don't know what you guys like. I'm, I'm more, I, I go in the wine and cheese area a lot. Yeah, it's a good little snack. I don't know. It's probably, it's a, you know, East European, European thing. You guys do that a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. We do. Uh, just quality, just quality. And they have great quality. Yeah. Yeah, we we love Trader Joe's. The service is fantastic, so really like it there. Seeing the one across from USC too, so I'm sure a lot of people, you know, students go over there a lot uh, to take advantage of that stuff. All right, well, thanks again to Trader Joe's and uh, John. I guess we can kind of start with you, sort of. Uh, you know, there's two new track facilities uh, that are a part of, of part of this. People probably don't know your background, but you were originally given uh, a partial scholarship through USC uh, track and field. And that's kind of like, it's something you've kind of held near and dear to your heart ever since. And you've been a, a real advocate for the track and field program, I guess, uh, from, from you know, when you were a young age, when you were in college. Yeah, well, back in 1966, uh, my brother, I have a twin brother, was, which is a very good, was a very good shot putter, and uh, Coach Wolf gave him a scholarship. And back then, they had so many scholarships. They had like 30 scholarships. Uh, after I already in school and everything else, Coach Wolf called my dad and said, you didn't think John would like a half scholarship, which I really didn't deserve because I wasn't that good. But he had so many scholarships. He had 30 scholarships that he decided to give me half scholarship. And, uh, well, I really appreciate that. And uh, since then, I've been giving back to the, to the university. And, uh, and my dad was a gigantic fan. Actually, my dad built the first weight room at USC in 1966. So that's that's when it starts. The giving started back when we started college in '66. Uh, yeah, that's amazing that your dad was a part of that. I think we when we had, we met on campus, and uh, I think I like when I was a, on the club volleyball team at USC. I think I worked out in that thing a little bit. It was, <laughs> seemed old dad. That was a long time ago, but it's funny that. Uh, but now, what you guys have done, um, you know, starting with the the, the track and field, the, the build like, where there was just wasn't a lot of room. Like you see. You know, um, you know now Allison Felix Field. Uh, it's there just wasn't a whole lot of room to build anything there. And walking through that place was it like seventy five hundred square feet or something in that yeah, range, so. right? And it feels way bigger inside. Like there's way more packed in there. Uh, it's like you Tetris everything in there somehow. I mean, it's pretty amazing for this little corner of basically the track. Well, we had a great architect, uh, Joe Antunovich, who was on the track team with me, and now he's uh, one of the best architects in the United States out of Chicago. And we, 10 years ago, we were just leaving a banquet and we walked into the facilities and we saw that 
they were just terrible. Worst facilities on campus. And uh, and the, the locker room was so bad that the, 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 the athletes didn't use the locker rooms. That's how bad they were. So Joe decided to put a drawing together and uh, on this little corner piece where there used to be a shed, and he came up with this fantastic drawing, and he just uh, he just hooked me. And then uh, and then we moved forward. It took us, took us about eight years to get it done because it took a long time to raise the funds. Yeah. But we got it done, and it's it's absolutely beautiful. It's, it's amazing inside there. And, Martin, I just want to, like, you know, most of the listeners are big football fans. Maybe they, like, follow basketball and stuff. And we're trying to, you know – talk more about some of the other sports that maybe aren't, you know, as revenue generating or whatever, but what kind of difference does something like that make uh, for like the track and field athletes and, and, and you guys as a staff? Oh, it's enormous. Uh, I can tell you from student experience, uh, student athlete experience, it's huge. They really feel valued uh, when they walk into the building, when they walk into the locker rooms, because uh, they've been on official visits on other universities, right? So they yeah. can compare that. <laughs> and when they come in here, and also for recruiting wise, for us coaches, that's amazing. It's such a huge uphand. Uh, but for student athletes, like I said, it's experience that they give them, that they are valued. They are tracking field. We don't bring revenue, like you said, uh, but they really feel like a part of university, a huge part uh, that, that makes a huge difference in their life, in an approach that they give to the track. And I always say how you do anything is how you do everything. And it trickles down to academics as well. Because uh, they feel special, because uh, yeah. they are. So that that facility uh, made made a huge difference, huge difference for our recruiting and student athletes uh, in general. So yeah, you mentioned recruiting. John mentioned like all the scholarships that they were just giving away. Like you know, guys, I guess he wasn't yeah. very good, but uh, I'm just kidding. He was good. He was sure. <laughs> um, there's very limited scholarships with track, and uh, with at a school like USC that's private and very expensive. I mean, that does make it harder. I mean, how how challenging does that make? On the recruiting front, just knowing that you don't have, especially on the men's side, there's not a lot of uh, scholarships to, to give out. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, it does make uh, a difference, a huge difference when it went from 30 to 12 uh, on the men's side. Uh, but stuff like um, like the facilities that we have goes a long way. So we can have those athletes that are the best of the best of the best, right? Yeah. Uh, come here and visit and check it out. What we have, uh, what John has built is amazing on track and off track. Uh, so we do, we are blessed with that. And now we can pick the best of the best. And you can see how we're performing, uh, along, along those lines really well. So, yeah. Well, I know 12 championships have happened. We'll get in that a little bit, but I want to talk about this facility, uh, too. Um, so, you know, what, how did this come about? Because it's when I've talked to you offline and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I was talking to Connor about this when we were walking around the field. He showed me the, when you throw a hammer, I mean, it's just tears up the field. So trying to do that on uh, Allison Felix Field would be, you know, it's just you can't do it. Um, you know, you have the areas where you can, you know, the netting and everything you can throw, but nothing like this where it's basically just have a field that's dedicated to getting tossed because the hammer just, just tears up the field. It's like, you know, being on a golf course with enormous divots all over the place. So it's kind of it's kind of crazy. But, you know, how did this kind of come about? Well, you know, SC has never had a hammer throw facility. They had to go to Cal State Northridge or or, or Cal State or Long Beach State or never, never once in a hundred over a hundred years have they had a hammer throw facility. But yet they've had world champion and Olympic champion hammer throwers. So about ten years ago, uh, we had a very good coach named Dan Lang, and and for about ten years ago, I went with Dan and me and my friend Joe Antunucci, architect. 
try to find a spot to build a hammer throw area. And that was 10 years ago. We met with Pat Hayden and we drove over to where the, now the soccer stadium is and now the other big uh, buildings are. And, and we asked them, can we build here? Can we build here? And they all kept coming back and say, I think we have bigger ideas for these areas. So nothing worked out. And then about uh, three years ago, I started looking anywhere up and down the 110 freeway. And I got together with our city councilman, Joe Busciano, and he recommended this 19-acre site, which was in disarray, uh, complete disarray. It's, and it, it's, uh, it's called the Carson Athletic Complex. I mean, the Wilmington Athletic Complex. And it was just uh, trashed. And the guy that was here for had a 40-year lease on it, and he was just – he wasn't taking care of it, okay? Yeah. I've so, seen the before and after pictures. Yeah. yeah. So they finally uh, – kicked him off then he put it out for a public bid for someone to take over the complex uh and then by doing that i had to repair all 19 acres and at present i'm still taking care of 19 acres I'm taking care of softball fields i'm taking care of baseball fields i'm taking care of soccer fields plus our own comp three acre complex for the throwers and um that hopefully will end soon and then i'll end up with just the three acres but I have to take care of the whole facility until, until it happens. And then I, they promised me a 30 or 40 year lease just on the three acres, which is a throwing complex. Yeah. So that's what I'm waiting for, but it's been a long, long process, put it that way. Yeah. Well, it looks amazing. It looks amazing. And uh, kind of wanted to get your kind of thoughts on this and, and how the kind of South Bay Athletic Club is kind of tied into all this. And I know there's, I mean, there's all the charity work, the Boys and Girls Club are here and got to let other people use it. So it kind of, you can probably tie it together a little better. Yeah, absolutely. So it definitely started off with John's uh, inspiration 10 plus years ago, um, trying to get a throwing facility for the long throws that's dedicated that USC can use. Um, and then came along NIL. Um, and that's where the community involvement and the nonprofit arm came in um, to build off of what was already started. Um, and so now at this location, uh, we host regular um, interactions between USC track and field athletes um, and the Boys and Girls Club kids uh, right across the street um, where they get a little bit of inspiration um, and access and you know humanizes um, these athletes who otherwise they would never have access to um, and also exposes them to um, a unique sport in the throws um, which has great opportunity for um, especially women um, in terms of scholarships um, whether it's USC or other D1 D2 schools all around the country there's a big demand um, and a lot of these sports, it's about skill acquisition. Um, it's not as, as talent heavy. So if you, you know, are three or four years ahead in learning the skills involved in the throws, it really makes a big difference. And your marketability to colleges and universities across the country is, is really, really high. Um, so what we envision is in the years to come, some of these kids who have access now because of this facility um, earn scholarships um, and access to university um anywhere across the country um and then the next step is with the la 2028 olympics coming up um we're hoping that you know maybe one of these athletes um has the grit and the drive um and now has the access um to possibly you know vie for a spot on that olympic team wow so that would be impressive. You could have someone oh yeah they, they trained here and now they're american olympic olympic champion or i guess it for I mean, we have multiple countries represented too, right? There's other people that would train here, like at university athletes, not just like, you know, Americans. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've had um, guys from New Zealand, um, Italy, 
Um, many different countries train here already. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. If there are locals who have our first generation, like myself, my dad's Irish, um, and they decide to compete for their home country, um, they absolutely could, could do that as well. The, uh, breakdown of what um you you guys do here i know there's the boys and girls club just across the street the, you know the, the involvement with the community but also professionals coming to train uh you know athletes from you know collegiate athletes like usc where it's branded all over the place like what's sort of like the the ratio of like who uses it most or and, and what you guys envision kind of going forward yeah that's a great question so Part of the vision of this facility in the first place is creating the most sustainable and successful model that I've seen, you know, in my travels across the world, um, competing internationally. And those clubs that succeed and produce the most high quality talent across the world are ones where the elite athletes interact regularly with the up and comers. So you get the inspiration and the mentorship combined in one, one space. Um, and those seem to be the clubs where if you look, you know, at the best throwing countries in the world, the best track countries in the world, you see those kind of clubs and that's their structure. So we're hoping to create that here. Um, and that's exactly what we're trying to do is combine the elite with the youth. Um, so the elite give back and the youth benefit. Um, so in terms of usage, you know, it's, it's pretty equal across the board. Um, we're not at the point where we're gonna have to, you know, shut it down for anybody right now. Um, we're not full over capacity. Um, so yeah, we're just hoping to keep that going, um, get as many kids exposed and um, taught and, and into a, a good training program. For Mark, for you and the, the throwers at USC, um, how much has this changed things and changed your routine? Like we're, you know, like it's, we're just down the freeway. So if you're not familiar with Wilming Wilmington, it's in the South Bay, but basically just take a 110 South um, from, from USC now 10 miles or something like that. Uh, and, uh, and you're here, I mean, has this been a, you know, a game changer for you guys at all, I guess you could say, or? Uh, absolutely. And I, I know from experience that Connor had and the previous coach, Dan here, they had to travel, uh, different, uh, different sites to throw what well, for throwing, you need consistency. And this gives us more than just consistency. We can throw here every day, uh, four times a week. We can come here at any time. We don't have to wait for other teams to the facilities that we, that, that, uh, they shared in the past. Uh, it gives us uh, so much more upper hand, like I said, in that consistency. And uh, as Connor mentioned, this is throwing is you need skills to acquire skills over time. Uh, and this gives us just that so we can compete. We had a young man, a uh, huge PR this year uh, in a hammer throw. Nick uh, did about six meters. And that's that's really, really far. Uh, but we were able to do that because now we have access continuously to facilities like this. So for our athletes, this is enormous. Uh, it gives them it gives them that opportunity that they can um, hone in their skills every every day or four times a week. Right? Yeah, and it's you know it's been open a year and a half, right? Is that uh, about? Or? Yeah, it's been about a year and a half. And one thing good about it too is you can you can throw here from six a.m. to ten o'clock at night. We have lights. We even have lights out here. So if you want, there are some professionals here to throw because they have to work. So they work till six. They get here at six thirty. It's dark. In the winter, and then they can throw with the lights on, and they can use a weight room too, with a you know all the time. So it's unique in that there's no restriction, there's no collegiate rules restrictions for these for people to to work out here, and we don't have any we don't have any bands out there on the field. We don't have any soccer players on the field. We don't have any cheerleaders on the field. Uh, it's just one use, and that's for throwing, and that's 
any collegiate uh, field, they don't have that typical where you just have a facility just throwing. Okay. And then Martin, for, well, you know, being open, I guess, like a season or two now, how has that changed sort of the recruiting pitch and with the way you've been able to recruit? I mean, has it made a difference, the kind of athletes you can bring in? Oh, of course. Uh, this facility uh, went viral worldwide. I mean, there's nothing like it uh, in, in U.S. that is open for anybody all the time, right? So John does... I did a great job with, with uh, setting this up uh, for the whole community, right? So people seeing this around the world, they know about uh, this facility, John College Throw Center. That, like, like we mentioned, we had throwers from all around the world yeah. uh, that came here and trained for, for two weeks and threw. A young man from New Zealand, he threw almost his uh, national record. So he oh, really was just for a couple of days he was here. Uh, so this gives us, yes, a lot, <laughs> a lot of uh, exposure. Uh, exposure to the world to, to us and like i say it's very unique it's free john does it uh for for community he does it for these young men and women who uh need to be exposed to this sport and like connor said you don't need to be um a beast for to be a good thrower you just need to do it uh, over a couple of years and in high school it's really hard but it's impossible to find a facility that can have that you can have a hammer uh, ring that is uh, certified by World Athletics that you can train at for as, as much as you need to uh, for over the years. Right, so this is a huge, uh, huge for us for USC. Obviously, it's very close to us, uh, but it's very huge for community and throwing world in US. Uh, this is going to definitely uh, Olympians already through here. Okay, and we there's going to be Olympians uh, in built. They're being built right now. They're going to compete in LA and for and Olympics. Uh, going forward because of this this field you're from croatia originally yeah. and then uh, you're you said your dad's from ireland um I, i'm just curious internationally is it big, like is are some of the track sports bigger than than they are here like it would be if you guys both can comment on whatever yeah. I, I can, uh, absolutely uh the track and field is much bigger sport internationally uh and uh you can see from you know world world championships olympic games european championships uh, fill stadiums. And when you go to compete at Corner Nose in Europe, you'll have a uh, full stance. Uh, a couple of places in the U.S. that you have that uh, in Europe almost every meet in different, uh, different leagues. And like uh, we talked about, there's the reason, I think, because you do start earlier. You develop love for that sport. You know how hard it is. But you, when you start earlier in Europe, you have these clubs like South Bay Athletic Club that have kids who are you know, 14, 13, 14, 15 years old throwing and training with Olympians already. So they already get exposed to how, what's necessary to train well, uh, how, how you need to train well, what's a good technique, what's a good uh, um, routine. And it just, when you are in this sport for a couple of years, you get to enjoy it really, really, uh, okay. really well. And yeah, excitement is, is much, much higher. Yeah. So, hey, don't Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, you know, track being an amateur sport for so long, um, on the marketing end, especially in the U.S., is a little bit behind. Um, so it's only, you know, in the last 10, 15 years truly become a professional sport. Um, so as it develops into a fully professional sport, um, it's competing with, you know, the, the said uh, and established sports um, for those media contracts. Um, but in Europe, um, it's established and, and it's, it's great environments you can get into. The, uh, so a lot, like I mentioned, a lot of our listeners are just big football fans. And I remember talking to um, UNC offensive line coach coaches over the years. And one of the things, you know, you're looking for uh, footwork and technique and stuff. And, and you can get a lot of that if, if they happen to throw 
you know, the shot put or something in high school that would be something that would kind of translate. I think I talked with John a little bit this when we had lunch the other day, but for, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. Just the, the sort of tie-ins to football where do, would they, you know, have you seen that before? And then are there opportunities to, hey, I'm going to talk to some of these offensive linemen and get them because they're already on full scholarship to come over and throw for the track team. Is that something that happens or can't happen? You want to Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I, I – I already hit up Lincoln Riley on that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we want anybody he has to come get into the shop. We need them. Uh, because of our limitation in scholarships, we have trouble filling all the events. Again, we have 12 and a half scholarships, and against UCLA, we have 19 events. So it's tough to fill all the spots. But, yeah, I talked to Lincoln Riley, and then I talked to the football players who are out here, you know, and asked any of them if they threw the shot. Yeah, and I'm trying to hustle anyone I can't. <laughs> By the way, I want to mention that uh, oh. Connor's dad was a two-time Olympian in the for Ireland and and the this and the hammer throw. Oh, okay. And then you got then you got Connor who is Olympian, and then you got Martin here who's a two-time Olympian for Croatia, and he actually holds the national record in the discus for Croatia. Wow! And okay. both these guys won the NC2A title. Martin for Cal. And Connor for USC. So you have some very, very talented athletes here in front of you. So half of the half of this room is talented, I think. And, and we chose we chose throwing over football too. So yeah, <laughs> you started at Princeton, right, Connor? Or is it, did you Princeton then to USC? That's correct. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, how yeah. did that? Happen? Yeah, so um, I went to Princeton um, right out of high school, um, and it was a great place. Um, I I really enjoyed the people there, the coaches there. Um, but I was looking for a place where I could really excel inside the classroom and outside the classroom. Um, and I also had some family um, health um, issues at, at the same time. Um, so after a year at Princeton, um, I had to make a, a tough call and, and make a transition. Um, and that's where USC came into the picture. Um, back then, it was Dan Lang, who I was in touch with through the recruiting process. Um, and I called him up, and uh, and we picked up right where we left off. Um, and I was able to join join the team, um, get an indoor season as well as an outdoor season, um, and then win a national championship. So, pretty impressive. Nice. Uh, wait, so, what years were you at SC? What was the? So fourteen and fifteen. Fourteen. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Nice. So fourteen was sort of the transition uh, season, and then fifteen, ready to go, competed. And, and did well. Uh, and which uh, Olympics were you? Did you? 2016. 2016, okay. Yeah. And Martin, you did two Olympics, right? And you yes. were in Virginia? You went to um, school in Virginia? I went to school uh, to Cal Berkeley. Oh, Berkeley. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Why was you, oh, you were coaching at Virginia? I was coaching at Virginia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it was 2008 and 2012 Olympics. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I rep represented Croatia, but yeah, I was competing in the West Coast um, uh, while throwing for Cal. And I do remember. Uh, facilities here at USC. I'm like, well, that's a great school, but they don't have facilities. That's why. But still, coach did a great job uh, getting all these uh, very, very talented throwers. NCA record in uh, track and field and hammer throw uh, is in hammer throw is uh, USC guy. Right? Oh, so okay. Balash Kish, yeah, uh, I think that record is going to stay for a while. Um, so there is there is a great history, uh, even with with uh, challenger facilities at USC. Um, but I, I remember when I was a Cal uh, visiting here, I'm like, oh, man, they can be so much better. <laughs> yeah, what brought you to, like, the West Coast? So you were coming from yeah. Croatia, like, I want to go to college. And you can yeah. kind of do – I mean, I guess sports is kind of a unique 
the American thing, right? Like you, that is very professionally. If you're going, I'm good at a hammer. I'm going to be a professional hammer thrower. Yeah. Here you go to college and yeah, so it's got it's kind of a weird, you know, it's like the way we do it here, but it's just kind of different than most of the rest of the world, I think. Yeah, there's nothing like it. There's not nothing like a scholarships uh, for for college in anywhere in the world. So this was very unique uh, for for me to find out first, and then when I when I uh, read more about it, this is you know before internet blew up, and I knew some people. I'm like, yeah, of course I want to get a scholarship and go to US, uh, get education to help my family. All right, so uh, this is this is really. Again, why John is doing this uh, for these young men and women to open a door like it did for me uh, to help our families. Um, so if you are not in big big sport uh, like football, American football, uh, NBA, uh, baseball, you can still do a lot in college. You can get your education and get your scholarship, uh, get opportunities and help your family. So that's that's how I uh, ended up in U.S. And I, you know, this is the best country in the world. I want to stay here. <laughs> so I have my family now here. Um, so yeah, that was that was a reason because of this system that we have. Yeah, and uh, Connor, I was talking to you before we recorded, and I wanted to get kind of your thoughts on all this. That it's a big deal that the Olympics are coming here again. Uh, the Coliseum, so it'll be twenty twenty eight. I, I think the Coliseum will be the first building to ever have three Olympics. I think it was the first, only one to have two. Maybe that Athens changed that or something. I don't remember, but um, but yeah, that's what kind of. For, you know, a, a big Olympic sport like track and field, like what does it mean to have, because you were even talking about like, if it was 2024, you would have trained to try to play in the same state that your dad played in. Yeah. Uh, but what what does it mean uh, for like this sport and, you know, throwing in particular to have the Olympics coming to L.A.? It's huge. Yeah. Um, having the Olympics um, in L.A. again is really exciting for the community, uh, all, all the track and field community. And we're really excited to be part of that hosting process. Um, we're going to have throwers come here and and train and have full access um, anytime they need. Um, and yeah, for my specific situation, uh, when it was the 2024 um, Olympics before it was handed off to Paris, we uh, I was really considered uh, continuing training. Um, that would have been a very cool opportunity to possibly compete in the same stadium as uh, the old man did. Um, and the reason why, you know, my family ended up in LA was because he competed in the 84 games and, and found a great community um, for the physical culture. Um, yeah. It's, you know, not having been a part of 84, I wasn't here. I didn't get out to USC till 89. I'm definitely excited to see what this is going to, uh, what's going to do for the city. But I know USC was a big part of that. And some of the buildings and, you know, I think the swim stadium, like all that stuff, it seemed to be a big issue here. Like is, you know, how, how do you think USC will be involved in the Olympics uh, in 2028? And any of you guys want to. In a, in a big way um, there, I haven't checked the latest master plan, um, but USC is going to be assisting um, LA 2028 committee um, in quite a few different ways. Um, I know that, the mission of 2028 is to use facilities that already exist. You know, it's kind of, we don't need to create a big stadium that isn't going to be used in the future. We already have all of it in LA. Um, and some of those USC locations between training and competition venues um, will definitely be be used. Do you get involved with that at all, John? Like for Olympics coming or anything? Is that... Well, believe it or not, I did the sewer, we did the sewers around the Coliseum in 1984. So that's what oh, your company, did. my company. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, 1984. We did we did the sewers around the Coliseum, okay. and they still work. I always ask everybody if they if they can flush the toilets. You know, they still work. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, we're, we're, we are, we had the Olympic Committee here for our, our groundbreaking and they were here and she actually gave a speech. Okay. So I think they are really looking at favorable like Connor uh, and do a, probably using this as a training site for Olympic Games, which would be really neat. That's right. You know, you know for you, like with the, uh, I mean, it's going to be different athletes by the time 2028 comes around, but just having all the Olympic athletes here, like what does that, you know, what could that mean for like a USC track team? Oh, it's it's enormous the way we can present how the best of the best in the world are training here, and uh, obviously using the state of art facilities, it's it's uh, enormous advantage in recruiting, but also in education. We can learn from these athletes, Olympians, Olympic champions, how they train. We can have them on site and learn from them. Is there something that we haven't seen uh, being done? The way they train, that they what they will warm up. Um, they're going to be here in training, so this is going to be a huge learning opportunity for all of us. Uh, coaches as well as athletes to to see that firsthand. Yeah, uh, we mentioned earlier in the show too. Um, I know we half an hour, so we'll, we'll try to wrap this up pretty quick. But the uh, Pac-12 Championships was this past weekend. Um, just kind of give people an update of sort of where USC track and field finished in Pac-12, and then what's going on you know, for the NCAA's, I guess, or whatever's up next. Uh, yes, guys. Um, yeah, we had uh, we ended up being second both on women and men uh, overall. Was Combined, we scored the most points than any Pac-12 team. We have a really, really good team uh, of young men and women who are coming back next year for NCAA. We're looking very, very good in sprints and jumps. Uh, our coaches have done a great job of recruiting new, new uh, class. We have some good throwers coming in next year as well. Uh, so I think overall, we're now building a championship team that we can win again. We won on the women's side uh, last time, 2021. Uh, on the men's side, we're looking much better uh, in terms of competing for NCAA championships. That's what we want to do. That's what Coach Watts, uh, his goal is. And with these facilities and support that we have, we can do that uh, now. So it, very, very exciting next four years. Is it, uh, just for people that aren't super familiar, which I'd be one of them, with how the scoring goes and when you have limited, there's sometimes you don't have athletes to fill all the spots and is it harder to win like a dual meet sometimes than like winning where there's a whole bunch of people competing and you're like an incident like championship? Like it's hard, maybe hard to beat UCLA one on one, but if you're doing a championship and you get to do all this, is that sort of accurate or how does that work? Yeah, you to win a dual meet, you definitely have to have very diverse team, uh, a lot of kids in, in each event. Uh, conference championships is similar in a way that you need, need big numbers of people. NCAs, because you're competing now with 300 teams, uh, when you have those. Uh, kids who are ranked top eight, that helps a lot. So you don't have to win uh, with 140 points like you do in conference. You can win with 60 points uh, if you have those individuals. And we're looking right now with conference, we almost won. <laughs> we had a couple of couple of injuries, but for NCAs, uh, we only just need those few athletes that can do really well. So uh, it's it's quality at uh, at uh, national championships. Yeah, John, what's up? I was going to talk about the scholarship problem with you, Silva. Here. Uh, go right ahead. Yeah. Um, it is a problem. SC is uh, very expensive to go to, and yeah, public universities are much less expensive. So when we only have 12 and a half scholarships, and at UCLA, do me, there's 19 events. Uh, we can't fill all the spots, and basically, UCLA will walk in there with 45 points on the mid side before we even put a man on the field because. There'll probably be five events we can't be competitive in because we just don't have enough scholarships. Uh, I was looking at myself, and most of these uh, big teams are 55 people on them teams, and we have 35 people. So that's our disadvantage. 
But in the nationals, if we have the best talent, we can, we can be competitive. So we have beat UCLA. Uh, the girls have won uh, nine times in a row now. But again, they have 18 scholarships. That's a big help. And we beat them every other time recently. But we went 22 years in a row. We didn't beat UCLA. On the men's side. On the men's side. And that was after Title IX set in because that's when the scholarships went from 30 to 12 and a half. Okay. And so we really didn't have a chance. But we're, we're, we're doing better now. But it, it is a big disadvantage for a public university, I mean, a private university like USC where the tuition is so high to compete with some of these public schools. All right. And then, Connor, we can kind of, I think we'll probably wrap it up with this unless we have anything else. But the, like I said, a lot of football fans here, NIL has just become a big part of it uh, when they follow football recruiting and someone decides to go to Oregon instead of USC. They're like, oh, that's Phil Knight. He wrote a check or whatever it is. But, um, I, you know, we've, there's a lot of different, you know, you guys are working with uh, the House of Victory and they've, they've made a bunch of announcements. I know you guys had football players come down, uh, like Kid Williams and guys like that coming down and doing charity work, uh, you know, in exchange for uh, some sort of compensation. But kind of where is, you know, South Bay Athletic Club with USC NIL and like how they're like kind of helping with, with football, but all the other sports as well? Yeah, absolutely. So we are just a primarily community based um, and we work with, all of the sports. Um, recently, we've had Caleb in. We've had lots of football players over. Um, I floated the idea last uh, fall um, with the Boys and Girls Club. I was like, hey, you know, I know we're doing all these track events and it's really good. You guys are liking those. Um, how would you like to work with some football players? Um, the South Bay Athletic Club has some funding for it. Um, if you guys are interested, then I can help set that up. Um, and they were really excited about it. And we got it rolling, um, and we were able to bring Caleb in. Um, he did a great job, and his players uh, really, really stood out with the community. We had the local high school uh, football teams out. Um, they had access to a Q&A um, before and then out on the field to do some drills after. Um, the community really benefited from it. Um, and, yeah, we're going to continue to do events like that in the future. Um, across all the sports, we had women's basketball out. Um, yeah, it's it, and they did a great job with the boys and girls club kids. Um, we're excited to keep those keep those rolling. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, is there anything else? Um, a lot of topics here. I, I love the uh, track education. I, was, I, I took, told a couple of you guys that my father, my grandfather, was big into track and was actually a alternate uh, official for the 84 Olympics out here. And I just never, a lot of friends are big in the track. I just never, I don't know. It was never, I wasn't very fast, I guess. I just never did. Yeah, I played other sports, but it was, yeah. And, uh, so it's great to kind of see this and three, definitely three people are very passionate about the sport and, and guys have competed at a very high level. So this has been very educational for me and hopefully the, the listeners liked it too, but I appreciate the time for all you guys. Uh, thank you. Uh, for coming in here and showing the great facility and uh, sitting down with me and all this equipment and everything we got in here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone, uh, for tuning in to the special edition of the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. 
You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.